Craft Beer Radio, episode 353, on October 10th, 2015. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where once again, we have beers sitting in front of us and we're going to drink them, and you will listen as we drink. Don't need nothing but a good time. That selection is brought to you by 12-year-old Jeff. Yay! And they, according to the skit at the beginning of the video, a very frustrated dishwasher. <laughs> very frustrated dishwasher, yes. If you haven't watched it, you know, it's one of those great AE videos where there's a little movie beforehand, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the best part is when the manager comes back and, yeah. and his dialogue. So. Well, i got to think the best of those, I'm getting off talk immediately, but if you watch that Nelson video for, I forget what it is, but there's, a, there's one of those, it's just like magical realism <laughs> Nelson story, and it, you know, okay. it's amazing. And it's awesome. On to the first. We're going to go with a series of uh, Hefeweizens from outside the country to start with. We'll start with a Polliner. Yep. So uh, remember how Dave brought us back some German beers? Go, well, Dave, go. These are two. Um, they're not pounder cans. They're close to pounder cans. Uh, what size are these? Uh, five liter or half liter. Half liter cans. And this one's brewed the- and canned in Germany. So we're going to try to mix up the... I was rolling the cans on their side during the pre-show, but it didn't look like they still came out all that cloudy. So here you go. Awesome. So we have the Polliner Hefeweizen is uh, used Hercules and Taurus hops. Malt varieties are light wheat malt, dark wheat malt, Pilsner malt, and Munich malt. It is, I, uh, I think it said 5% alcohol volume on the side of that. 5.5. 5. 5.5. 5. 5. I was maybe the other one. And the, um, that's a lot of information for a large German brewery. Well, and they have a whole ingredients tab, actually. I would so, expect yeah. to get none of that information from a large German brewery. Well, I mean, I think everyone's learning. Yeah, yeah. People are asking for the details. Mm-hmm. Remember that when we first started the show, I used to have time to email all the brewers, and I would try yep. to get details from the brewers themselves on the beer. I remember emailing Anderson Valley, and they wouldn't even tell me what beer, it, what hopped, what hop they used in the beer. They called it proprietary. I don't know. If, I, I doubt they're still doing that. Today. No, I, I think that they were more probably protected. They, they they weren't sure who you were. This is kind of guy coming out of nowhere. <laughs> who is this guy? Yeah, I think that at this point, everyone advertises and tells what hops they use. They're trying to. Everyone knows how to make these beers now. They're trying to differentiate themselves by saying, right. "Here's what we can do with this stuff." Right, and beer pours uh, a hazy. It's kind of a dark orange. It's yeah, darker than I thought. Now we're not drinking these out of Weizen glasses. We're using our Spiegel beer tulips, so that might affect the darkness a little bit. But it is darker than I would have expected. It's darker than, than a lot of Heffas that I've uh, had in these glasses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sort of a. <laughs> it's an orange, but it's not letting a lot of light through. So right. it has this kind of almost grayish look to it. The aroma. It's big on the maltiness. I'm not getting too many esters or anything, but I'm getting I'm getting some, but mostly it's the maltiness. It's a big, strong wheat aroma. There's a lot that, of banana. There's, there's a lot of barley that backs that up, too. I'm getting some bread crust. I'm getting uh, some cracker, but that's what I'm smelling mostly on the aroma. The flavor, I'm getting a lot of banana straight up in terms of uh, estery stuff. Um, very weedy, very uh, thick mouthfeel with um, a lot of sort of a grainy quality of, of wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of... A little bit of acidity that goes along with that. It gives it a, you know, just that ever so slightly tart 
quality you get from a nice wheat beer. Uh, a little bit of spiciness and more of a cinnamon rather than clove, but that was just the first taste. Yeah, Greg's, Greg's nailing it. I'm getting a, something a little bit like Circus Peanuts in there, mm. which is, you know, a banana with acetyl aldehyde mm. candy. Um, not acetyl aldehyde. Ethyl amyl acetate is what I meant to say. Okay. Apologize. Um, How dare you get those? I know. I know. It just flew off the tongue. I'm like, whoa, that's not right. Um, Getting some kind of like... Uh, Maybe like a touch of wildflower honey or something like that. I mean, yeah, there's a little, kind of floral. a little floral, yeah, note at the sort of at the tail end of the flavor. Um, maybe a little. Um, you could think of it as a little orange zest or something too. Mm-hmm. Some something that gives it a little a lighter, uh, lighter hit. But I, I like your your wildflower uh, honey note. Pretty high alcohol for a Hefe, right? 5.5. That's in the higher range. Um, it's not unprecedented, but it's it's yeah. up there. Yeah, I would say it's average. Average high, you know, but it's not in the top tier or anything. Yeah. Well, we're, as we're letting this beer warm or whatnot, there's been a lot of beer news going on. I know we don't make beer news a normal topic, but there's so much going on. Maybe mm-hmm. we should work on it. So uh, big news this week is that ABM Bev put out an offer to buy Sab Miller. Uh, I think the initial offer was re- rejected and they increased the offer and mm-hmm. it was still rejected. I'm not sure how that's going to go through or not. On the way to Denver or when we were in Denver, I mentioned that ABM Bev purchased Golden Road Brewing, which is a Los Angeles brewery, small brewery out there. So the purchasing is continuing. And uh, Oscar Blues is opening a third brewery. They just finished building the one in um, Brevard, North Carolina, and they're opening one in Austin, Texas now. They're growing big. Miller Coors sinks the ABV cap. Uh, there's an ABV, there's alcohol volume cap in Ohio, 12% for beer. They are fighting uh, to keep that cap. Uh, purely, <laughs> they say it will confuse consumers. Clearly, it's purely <laughs> a... Uh, fighting to keep the cap. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's just uh, them trying to keep the market from expanding mm-hmm. out of... You know, into places they don't compete. Essentially, yeah. They're saying that <clears throat> raising the ABV could blur the lines between beer and other alcohol beverages, such as wine and spirits. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Boo-hoo. <laughs> oh, no, things aren't quite as black and white anymore. Um, and and yeah. if you competed in that segment, you'd be all for it. Yeah. It's uh, protect, protect, protectionistic BS is what mm-hmm, that is. Mm-hmm. And, and the only reason they can do this is because they have a lot of money. And it's, so it's uh, disappointing. The um, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, but there are now officially more than four thousand operating breweries in the country. I wasn't sure when we would hit the four thousand number, but I thought it would be soon. It's a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of breweries. It is. Uh, one of the things you'll see. I don't know if we talked about this. I think we talked about it in person, but not on the air. We count the number of wineries that are in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a huge number, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, you know, it's not really apples to apples. Their distribution is much more limited in right. most cases. Right. Uh, so most, or I mean, there there are some of these breweries that are just you know tap houses, right? It just you know, be there yeah. one place, but uh, a lot of these places are you know they're selling plate, they're selling to bars and stuff, and so that's a lot of yeah competition, particularly regionally. And there's probably somewhere in the ballpark of two thousand more breweries in planning. Yeah. 
Uh, as I said before, if you want to make money in this, if if your goal is making money in this situation, do not make a brewery. Make a, somebody who make a business that sells equipment to breweries. <laughs> the gold rush paradigm, right. right? Right. All right. I think that's enough news for now. Make a cannery. You'll clean up. Well, that that's such big competition, right? I mean, Ball and King are like the. Two behemoths. I don't know if you can get into the can. If you business. do that sort of mobile canning thing, oh, mobile canning, yeah, yeah, you could certainly look at that. I mean, they're popping up all over the place mm-hmm. for sure. I thought you meant making cans. No, no, I mean that's a it's a lot of investment, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I I don't think the money's in breweries. <laughs> There's certainly money in being a brewery, but you have a lot more uh, competition right now. It's a considerably harder road to, I mean, a lot more competition, a lot of competition is going to be very, very good. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's going to make it. I, yeah. the, we talked about this. Is it a bubble? Whatnot? I think there's still room in the market. I think the market's still going to grow. Is everyone going to survive and be happy? No. Yeah. But that, does, that's does, the does everyone have a good business plan? No. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are ill-fated are going to be so for certain yeah. reasons. Um, not because yeah. the market's not there for another brewery. Remember, bubble doesn't mean that the business that all businesses in it collapse. Just it means that there is an overextension sure. in uh, of, of people trying to fill in that area, and they can't support that weight. Right. There's going to be a beer podcast bubble popping. <laughs> we survived at least one of them. <laughs> um, okay, so we're still working on this Polliner Hefeweizen yeah. uh, imported from Germany. Uh, bootlegged in a bootleg. Let me. What, what is that translation website? Because I want Because this. These are both the N A T U R T R U with umlaut B. I want to get that. It means natural, probably. Probably. Um, that's my guess. Or organic. It might mean organic. Just type it into Google. It'll translate it. <laughs> Don't even worry about the umlaut. It'll figure it out. All right. As I'm drinking the beer, it's really refreshing. Um, as in, it's not just a big ester bomb. The malts, it's refreshing to me because it's not a big ester bomb. The The malts are, are definitely present and I'm really enjoying how there's the wheat spiciness, but also a fair amount of barley malt um, backing it up. And I just think it's, it's a pretty well put together beer. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh Natrutrub uh, means naturally cloudy. Mm. Oh, yes. Natural and trub. Trub. Sure. Not organic. I was wrong. You got to translate something else? I'm going to try to see. I found the website. So here's the... If you can turn me up for a second. Natrutrub. Wow, that's a hard one to... <laughs> Natrutrub. Oops. Okay. How do they say Polliner? How do they say Polliner? Yeah, as we're finishing up this Polliner, we'll get the pronunciation. Polana. 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 So we were kind of emphasizing the wrong syllable. Mm -hmm. Should I get this next one too? Yeah, yeah. This one is the Schafferhofer. 
Schoferhofer Hefeweizen. This one is naturally cloudy as well. And it comes in an orange can. Half liter again. So 5% alcohol by volume. Um, there's this one. I don't have an English translation of the uh, stats. So I'm kind of in, in a little bit of Didn't the, Google pop up saying, hey, this is in German. Do you want to translate it? This is a PDF. Oh, poor Google can't do that. 41 cal per 100, kcal per 100 milliliter. So there you go. I can read that one. That's wow, a, look at the look at these ingredients. So, so some of these, I mean, glucose, uh, CO2. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the ways to offset the calories, though, doing it by 100 mils. Yeah. 41 calories per 100 mils. Like, that's not a serving size. <laughs> Let's, like, use a scale that the yeah. humans won't comprehend easily. Like the born-on date. Make sure you're within 180 days of that date. Okay, so this is uh, similar in terms of color, right? I mean, it's got yeah, very similar. So a little, maybe a little lighter. Uh, it might be the shapes of the glasses that yes. are making the beer seem darker than Hefeweizen normally is. Similar to the head, too, a big fluffy head, uh, kind of what you'd expect out of mm-hmm. uh, Hefe. Not getting as much, like, estery note on the aroma. Yeah, the aroma, I'm getting a more spicy, less malty um, aroma, a little more wheaty, and I'm getting... Where the other one was more like circus peanuts, this one's more like green banana for me. Okay. And then there's like something that's like... Uh, it's some kind of spice. Cloves doesn't fit. I, I don't know what I want to use there. Oh, what, that, what the heck? What the what? It tastes like particularly hoppy, which is weird. Um, or at least not expected from mm-hmm. a German Hefe. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a big noble hop, a big noble hop bite in there. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's different. Yeah. Uh, it's really not very estery. Uh, it's a little... Yeah, it's definitely clove in terms of the... Actually, that helps me figure out what I was trying to smell. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a noble hop spice that yeah. I was not expecting to be in the flavor, so I couldn't place the aroma. It's not straight up spicy, but it's playing in with the bananas and kind of uh, a cloviness. It's particularly hoppy for a German uh, Hefe. Uh, it's different, uh, and it's it's pretty, it, it's nice. It's a nice uh, feature, but it's uh, not what I was expecting. So I'm kind of like, whoa, taken aback by it. Yeah, no, there's not very many weepers I can think of that are not Hefeweizens, not, not even American Hefeweizens yeah. that are this wheat or this hop forward. It's kind of reminding me a little bit of, you know, like a weeded IPA. Mm. Just a little bit. Like, think of Gumball Head or something like that. It's not quite to that level, but there's and, a... And that's not... Those use American hops, too. They use either, or at least um, right, not these right. uh, noble ones. But This is really interesting. I wonder yeah. how this plays in Germany. This is the Schoferhofer Hefeweizen. And they are from, let's see if I can read a German can. Uh, Deutschland, yes, I got that. There's Wasser, Weizenmaltz, Gerstenmaltz, Hoffen extract. So these hop extract, didn't it? Hmm. Frankfurt. They're in Frankfurt. 
Cool. So I was at uh, Penn Brewery on Friday, and they were brewing St. Nick Bach, and they had the brew kettle open, and they had this long wire going down into it, like from the like just hooked on the top there. And when he pulled out, he pulled out this like can thing, and like I tapped on the window, and I know the brewery he came out. I'm like what was that thing you pulled out of the brew kettle? And they use hop extract for some mm. of their beers too. So excuse me for a little Jeff making all that noise. They basically poke the holes in the can. You know, kind of like an oil can thing, and then they just put it in the kettle, and it gets hot and it leaks out. I see. So sort of instead of trying to like pour it and scoop it and let it fall to the bottom of the kettle, they kind of let it drain out through a bunch of little holes, and probably keeps it from scorching or falling to the bottom, that kind of thing. So, hmm. so do you still uh, contend that that some people think it's cheating? Hop extract. I mean, so he basically said why they use hop, stra- hop extract in its storage space for hops. It's Consistency uh, of product, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Per- hops can perish, right? I mean, you keep them cold. I don't... Home brewers use... You know, they actually can use hop extract these mm-hmm. days. A lot of the guys who win homebrew awards for IPAs are using, like, hop shots and things like that yeah. to put extract into their beer. Uh, I don't feel that it's bastardizing the art or anything like that. I think I'm fine with it. Um, it's about the beer in the glass, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how does it make you feel about... At the GABF, I remember seeing one of the machines, one of the brew... Uh, oh, the... The, 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 the Pico, Pico Brew. Yeah. Actually, I talked to that guy for quite a bit, and we're going to get him on the show. Awesome. And because uh, I did want to talk about the whole no boil science and stuff like that, uh, we need to do some research before we have them on the show, so we can have become armed and loaded mm-hmm. with good questions and whatnot. But they they had a brew going, and oh, the mash smelled so good as we're sitting there talking. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the price point's crazy, though. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but it's not for most people. Yeah. Um, but it's not fake brewing. No, I mean, you can make real beers with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, you know, people were concerned about, they thought boiling was a important part of the process. and They claim it's not, and I haven't done the research to know where I stand on my, I don't have an opinion. I need, I need more yeah. evidence, more information. It's definitely traditional. So everyone should see the shirt that Greg's wearing right now. It says, I'm not arguing. I'm just explaining why I'm right. Yeah, I thought that was particularly nice for today. Uh, <laughs> it's a dumb shirt, which I would never, ever wear. But <laughs> it was like five bucks. I said, hey, there are probably going to be points in time where it would have I don't know. I think that's your shirt. That is your shirt right there. <laughs> it should say Contrarian Blowhard on the back. <laughs> well, it yeah, it definitely fits in with my uh, persona. Persona, sure. We're still drinking the Schoenhofer Hefeweizen. And yet yeah, this is really interesting. If you guys can find this, you see it sitting on the import shelf at your local beer store, give it a try. Um, yeah, it's an American uh, saturation of hopping right. on a German Hefeweizen with noble hops. And it's really interesting. It's- it does mean you lose a little bit of what you might expect from a German, right? You, you would expect sort yeah. of more... Uh, more of these estuary and, and uh, more of these estuary compounds that come out. Some of the more of the phenolic stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Bloody. You're not getting you're not you're not hitting the normal beats of a hefeweizen, mm-hmm. but you are hitting a hoppy wheat beer that is pretty engaging. 
Yeah, with a slightly estery and mm-hmm. phenolic twist. Right. Thank you, Dave. That was really good. All right. <clears throat> what do we do next? What do we do next? I think we do the pale ale, then the session IPA, and then we go on to the other beers. What do you think? That's a double. All right. I will uh, go by your path, and we'll see if it's the right one. Well, we actually will. We won't know for It's sure. like a choose-your-own-adventure game. <laughs> go to beer four. You fall into a pit and die. Wow, what a horrible choose-your-own-adventure game. That sounds more like Zork. All right. Moving on to... From Nola Brewing, this is the Rebirth Pale Ale. This beer followed us home from Savor. Thank you, uh, Nola, I suppose, for giving us this beer. Rebirth Pale Ale, 5% alcohol volume, 41 IBUs. Um, this is sort of their tribute to uh, New Orleans after Katrina. Right, right. There's um, a drawing on the front that's kind of psychedelic with pastel colors, yet it does have a guy on a microphone, presumably a musician. Oh, wait, wait, Frenchie. I don't know if that's the artist or the guy, but there's a guy that looks like he's rapping or something. And uh... All right, hops, bravo, cascades, citrus, Simcoe. Expect sort of a bouquet on this guy. Malts. Number the first malt is acidulated, expected to be slightly tangy. Cara Amber, Munich 2, Pale and Wheat. So I'm looking, just looking at this without smelling or just just looking at this group. I expect something um, kind of traditionally hop with a little uh, little brightness, which you might get from those Bravo and Citra, uh, Bravo and Citra hops, and the, a little bit on the slightly tangy side. Mm-hmm. Here's their their slogan is it with a pale French malt. or Creole. See if you can translate that while we're while we're talking, right? Just you know, as as time permits, see if you can get that translated. Sure. Or try to pronounce it yourself, but I, I'm not sure I could even get close enough to say it. <laughs> All right. So the color. Uh, so this... I would say it's a Cassé la Bombaise uh, Vissé. Okay. That probably is rel- relatively. It's moderately clear. There's a certain little haze to it, but you can still see fingerprints through the glass. Poured with a nice head. It's falling down quick in these beer snifters. So the, the, the color is good. kind of a bronze color. The aroma is definitely hoppy. Um, actually, I wasn't listening too closely to all the hops Greg read off. So actually, if my subconscious isn't screwing with me, I'm going to tell you what I think I smell. There's some citra in there, and I know I heard Greg say citra, but I'm getting uh, something that's kind of a little bit piney, too. Um, I'd have to go Simcoe on that one. And maybe some uh, Centennial as well. I smell a little bit more. I'm getting kind of pineapple-y. It smells very juicy, very, very fruit-juicy. And kind of wanted you to do it like on a, you know, instead of like focusing on it, like just casually kind of search, you know, as we're talking, come up with it in like five minutes. But Greg, Greg is determined to figure out what he means. <laughs> yeah, you got me on a. The flavor is very citrus juicy. It 
tastes a little bit like one of those little cans of kind of uh, a pineapple blend of some sort. You know, I'm getting a touch of mango. I'm getting, uh, ooh, that's good. There's a there's a taste of. Let me take another sip here. Greg really wants to know what that slogan means. Okay, so those aren't Z's, those are R's. That explains it. <laughs> take a sip of this beer, dude. Okay, so the direct translation. <laughs> Break good beer pouring. Okay. Well, it is a, there's a logo of a glass, so mm-hmm. they're kind of just kind of saying, you know, decant gently or something along those lines in Creole yeah, or French. Uh, oh, I think I may have found it. I think I may have found it. Everyone is on the edge of their seats. How about you just take the sip of the beer? All right. Oh, wow, that's definitely bright <laughs> hops yeah. that I'm getting. The um, the flavor is, is uh, like pine, mostly pineapple, like I mentioned, but there's a All touch right. of grapefruit in there. Uh, big, it's like one of those like, you know, breakfast juice blends you can buy from, you know, and you can get kind of a blended orange juice type thing. It's really juicy, really good. All right, so that's an L, not a C, and uh, the actual, so it's hard to read the script. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, la bon beer vassal. Let the good beer pour. Oh, okay. That was a lot of work for a slogan. I didn't mean to hijack you for that long. I just thought, I just thought, hey, Greg, casually, but he wanted the answer. Mm, kind of what I was expecting. Bright hops, uh, kind of grapefruity, a little bit orangey, uh, more of a pale malt, so more of a sort of a, a slight bready undertone. Um, mm, Oh, I see there is Simcoe in there. Okay. I smell it. I don't taste it as mm-hmm. much. At least not the overtly Simcoe character. You know, the, the number one malt there was, or at least the first malt, alphabetically, was acidulated. So I was expecting mm-hmm. a little bit of tanginess, but I don't think I'd get that. It's just probably just to lower the pH a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, if you're looking for it, you can imagine it kind of in the body. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd, it's probably not a big player. This is, uh, you know, Simcoe sort of used right as a... It's still really bright as a for as long yeah. as it's been in the fridge, too, which is impressive. I mean, if this beer is faded, it was even brighter before. <laughs> um, or the beer just hasn't faded. So I'm happy to have gotten to it, and it's still in such great shape. I would expect something like Rebirth to be bright, right? I mean, you don't want a dankness for your Rebirth. Sure, yeah. So... Uh, I sort of appreciate where this is going, and this is this is a very nice drinkable pale ale that has a. It doesn't you know give those um, more of the, more exotic uh, the tropical stuff that we were getting, but it it, it takes it, it takes the traditional stuff uh, and gives a little bit of a brighter tone. I think they brewed this with or for a music organization called the Roots of Music, and they have the website Roots of Music, the Roots of Music dot org. So if you you know, I know we have some listeners who are really into the tunes. Uh, yeah, maybe check that out. It might uh, give you a nice beer music uh, uh, confluence. I know some people really like pairing beer with music. That's not really my my gig. 
Yeah, so, okay. Uh, see, it's born out of a partnership between Nola Brewing and Rebirth Brass Band that sees a portion of the profits supporting the Roots of Music, a music that, uh, program that empowers the New Orleans youth while preserving the city's musical heritage. Okay. Sounds it like empowers a... the youth by letting them play clarinets and dress up in Steel ridiculous costumes. Well, I mean, Marching bands... By it, definition, have ridiculous content. It's New costumes. Orleans, so ridiculous costumes is sort of yes. de rigueur, right? It's it's, <laughs> it's tradition. But those it, are it's, almost like conquistador helmets. Those are pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very um, it is very New Orleans. Mm-hmm. All right, back to the beer. I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's Me too. not it's not the the tropical IPA that's all the rage that's like, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm really like jonesing for Turn like every it. minute of the day, but it's it's adjacent to that. You know, it's it's more citrusy, but it it's hitting a lot of the same notes that I it's really brighter. crave. I'm wondering I would write, really like to you know, we talked about research for the for the boiling. I, I want to look into research for uh the pH because citrusinated malt, malt clearly plays a role in in some of these beers and getting them to be a little brighter. Sure. I mean, uh, it has and, to do with uh, pH, water hardness. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that pale ales came out of Burton-upon-Trent and harder yeah. water and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's all it's chemistry, man. It's all chemistry. But, yeah, I can certainly see where you want to manage some of these more uh, ethereal um, attributes. Mm-hmm. pH, you know, total dissolved solids, things like that to really accentuate hops. And especially if you're in a region where your water might not be conducive to doing yeah. a really bright citric IPA, you're going to have to do some things to get there. Well, the cool thing is that now there's a malt that can do that for you, right? I mean, like, you can just, you can account for that, not by necessarily being super ridiculous about how you treat your water. You can treat your water just normally right. and then add a malt that, that does that, some that of the might pH might get you part of the way there. I, I think we would have to do research to figure mm-hmm. out what that does and does not do. I hesitate to think that it's a magic bullet. To... I'm, I'm not saying it is a magic bullet, but I'm saying it is uh-huh. a tool a tool that you have in the toolbox now that you did not have before. Yeah, I mean, I, I think actually seeing acidulated malts on the ingredient list of IPAs is n- relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so while we just did something fairly hoppy, we're going to do another one. I picked this beer up when I was on vacation at Sandbridge. Got this at the uh, the package exchange at the Navy base. Paid no taxes on it. Yay! This is Evelyn from Hardywood. Oh, <clears throat> because you didn't purchase it. <laughs> you got somebody else to purchase it for Got a retired you. Navy to purchase it for me, and I paid him cash for it. 4.9% by volume, 45 IBUs. You like that, 4.9? That sounds like it's right in your uh, wheelhouse there for sessionability. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like 4 as a session point, so 4.9 mm-hmm. seems to be very much stretching it. This thing's packaged in a giant, heavy uh, Belgian glass. I mean, the glass is like heavier than yeah. most bottles I've hefted lately. Trying to look for other information. Not much. Okay. The nose is kind of dank and Simcoe-y. That's kind of... I don't think Greg's going to enjoy the aroma very much. I think it's kind of the things he doesn't like about Simcoe. Hmm. 
there's something that's hmm. there's something a little oniony in there, but it's not quite. Maybe like onions and potatoes or something. I'm trying to quite place it. Yeah, there's definitely a sulfury component, but there's mm-hmm. there's not the biological stuff that right, I'm right. getting. I'm yeah. not, it's not going in that. No, direction. it's definitely more cutting board. It's, yeah, yeah. It's definitely some kind of vegetable cutting board. Maybe some um, celery root. Yes, yeah, so there's no, there's no like ammonia-like component. Is what yeah, I mean. So yeah, there's, um, yeah. so the dankness is not really affecting me in the same way as okay. you might have expected. Okay. What did I want to? Say? I had something I wanted to say about this. Oh, so in the pre-show we t- tested the uh, the pop and stop. Mm, yes, that, that thing we tried to open bottles with that. We picked up the GABF, which is a replacement for our vaunted um, Xylus stoppers. Mm-hmm. And um, as an opener, it fails miserably. As an opener, it fails miserably. We used it to stop a 22 ounce bomber of that. Uh, your father was a hamster, or your father smelled of elderberries um, beer from Stone. And we, it, it did an okay job at keeping the carbonation in. I feel it probably didn't do as good of a job as the Xylus. But we don't know. For but sure. I think we, we if have... we want to have be definitive on that, yeah. um, we have to do a side by side. But the price points are very similar, and you can get the xyluses on Amazon or other places that are easy. And you can't I, use a xylus to poorly open a beer. No, but you can't use this to open a beer either. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Um, so at the, at this point, the evidence we have is that this does not supplant the xylus. This is not, um, but we have not done a full test of this, but the test that we have made seems to indicate that it's not as effective as this. If it's cost the same as the Xylus, yeah. it, it, it is at best almost as good as the Xylus, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Which yeah. means... Which means get a Xylus. I mean, unless, unless you just want to buy American, right? And then you get this and you're... We should say Xylus is not the name of the stopper. It's the name of the company that makes these things. So this is a, right. Uh, Xylus makes a whole bunch of different stuff, and this is one of their products, which is a, a stopper. But it's definitely the stopper that we recommend in terms of most most bottles will take it. Some bottles won't. Right. There are like some this bottles. Hardywood has a narrow yeah. neck because it's mm-hmm. a thick Belgian bottle. So I grabbed. So our favorite one there for there is the old style Xylus, but I, oh, here's one right here. Yeah. But I, I actually grabbed. Kind of the the B team, which I forget the name of this guy. We don't like the one that I actually use because the the, the, the lever, Joey works too for those. Yeah, a the Joey lever version. the lever pops too easy on the one that I actually yeah. used. You have to be careful about popping the lever off accidentally. So anyway, these will also work for wine as well. Um, so that, so you might see them in in that section. They they uh, Silas sells them as oil stoppers. I think we should do some Amazon commercial and just. Oh, okay. I mean, we kind of just did it. We're kind of in it, yeah. Um, so, oh, that's loud. Uh, so, everyone who's listening, um, we've thanked you, and we've told you how successful the Amazon campaign has been, but September kind of sucked. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it. we appreciate everyone's um, contributions, but... We need to make sure you don't get lax. I mean, yeah. you just kind of have to support us on a regular basis. Um, but we don't want you to forget about us. You know, we need there's we natural need your variability. Sure. I think you sort of should expect that. But yeah. um, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of trying. Okay, I was trying okay. to find a nice way to say, or not a nice way. I was trying to find a 
reasonable way to say that it is important yeah if you want to support the show to use craftbeerradio.com slash amazon because this past week or past month it seems like you know people might have either gotten tired of our message or something and it showed okay um, well we need to we need to come up with a better way of, of, of doing this and maybe yeah. we need to change the music maybe that's maybe maybe yeah. the key is we change the music yeah, yeah. So try to think of us. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon when you shop on Amazon. And uh, it really helps support the show. It's Christmas season soon. So shop, shop, shop. Drop, drop, drop. So I imagine we're going to go with the double first. We haven't even tasted this beer yet. That's right. (laughs) I mean, you've tasted it, but we haven't talked about the Evelyn from Hardywood yet. (laughs) Forgot where we were. I mean, we talked about how its aroma mm-hmm. was not biological, even though it's it's a very strong Simcoe type character, kind of dank. Yeah, so it's not Doherty, mm-hmm. uh, but it does have. Not I'm tasting it. This kind of deep uh, resiny character to it. It feels Chinooky. It feels mm-hmm. Simcoe. It, it has. It's it's actually for a session. I mean, it has a lot of. Well, that's it. Power. This kind of flavor profile is reminiscent of some of the earliest session IPAs. This is where they went first. And then people got better at it. And I'm not saying this is bad, but it's kind of um, kind of nostalgic. When I think of Bitter Brewer and I think of you know some of the early session IPAs, this reminds me of the kind of flavor profiles they worked with that, where kind of the, the body's moderate light a little bit gritty a little bit grainy and then the hops are kind of abrasive or i don't know if abrasive is the right word but they're aggressive you know they're out there they're they're um very very potent they're calling this a session ipa because it has a tenth less alcohol per volume than this rebirth pale ale and it's 4.9 man <laughs> it's better than 6.8 sure but the kind of i mean an IPA is going to come in in the sixes, like almost all the time. But this is, is this an IPA? It fits in the what I have in my mind as session IPAs. Could getting... you do a pale ale with this topping? Absolutely. This is just a pale ale. This is just a pale ale. This is not a session IPA. Mm. I don't know if I agree with that completely. All right. I think the NOLA was definitely... The NOLA was out of its label more than the Evelyn is. The Nola was very hoppy and way beyond what you'd expect for a label of pale ale. Or, Ameri- or even American pale ale. Well, but we get to compare them to that. That's the beauty sure. of this show. We can compare right. these two. But I mean, you're complaining You're complaining that this is not as hoppy as a beer that just called itself a pale ale. No, I'm not complaining this is not as hoppy. I'm complaining that I'm saying that this kind of hoppiness uh, is, I'm, I'm saying this is pretty hot forward and there's a lot of hops in there. What I am saying, though, is that is this really, can you call this a session? Yes. I, I don't agree. I, I I feel like this is just a hoppy pale ale, just like this is. Uh, it's just the hops are different. Uh, and you can't... I don't agree with this as a session. It's 4.9 sessionable? No way. Uh, and so yeah, I, 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 just, well, I disagree many, with... Many people disagree with, with yeah. you. If it's under 6, a lot of people call it sessionable. I don't go that far. But, I mean, this has the flavor 
that, like I said, is kind of a nostalgic of some of the original session IPAs. I I think your calibration's kind of skewed because of the rebirth. The rebirth yes, was sure. not flight plays a role. The rebirth was not in any aspect of my imagination a textbook pale ale. Mm, okay, I agree. I mean, the citrus and everything that came off of that, it came across like an IPA. If it had an IPA label, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have stutter, stepped on. Yeah, you know, it would have been just a okay. We would have not noticed. So I don't drag down or don't don't calibrate the Evelyn to a pale ale because the rebirth was so hoppy. I just I think you need to elevate the rebirth to something beyond pale ale if you're going to be hung up on on the the labels. Okay, I I just don't I don't get. I still have problems with the idea of sessionable at 5%. I don't. I mean, I know you do. You're not going to relent on that. But I don't. I think that this has, like, what I'm used to. And and not just the the alcohol by volume, but the flavor profiles. Like, this reminds me a lot of certainly Bitter Brewer, which was one of the first session IPAs that I've had. It reminds me a lot of, I can't think of other named examples right now, but it fits that flavor profile. And while I've had better ones, which bring more of the citrus and tropical through, where this one's a little bit more dank and resiny, uh, I still I'm still enjoying this as I drink it. I'm not going to rank it higher than the Nola for sure, because the Nola brought really great citrus to it. But the way I look at it, session IPAs are great end of night beers. Right, I mean, you've you've gone through a couple beers, uh, and you want to sort of maintain yourself. You don't want to mm-hmm. go overboard, right? But you want to still taste something. Mm-hmm. Session IPA, sure, is a great way to do that. Yes, uh, I feel like this is not supporting that. Hmm. I mean, like I said, there's different kinds. This one's dank and resiny. Is it my favorite kind of IPA? It's not. Is it good for what it is? I think it is. All right. But we're done with Hoppy for the rest of the night. Now we move on to a Belgian double that I've never... Or Belgian-style double that I've never had before. Even though they're a really close brewery. This is Trogues Jovial. This one followed us home from Saver as well. 7% alcohol by volume. 13 IBUs, so don't expect much in that range. Caged and court. Here Caged goes the pop. And court. The hops are crystal and magnum. Whoa, gusher. Gusher. Oh, on my phone. Son of a gun. Oh, no. Rick, I don't know about this one. Uh, Malt's Abbey Chocolate Munich Pilsner. Abbey Ale Yeast. They also add Belgian candy sugar and uh, Demera sugar. Demer- Demerara sugar. As soon as I popped it, I could smell like a brown sugar type thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the Demerara or whatever. As soon as it popped, I could smell that there was like a sugar type yeah. thing going. This is a very thick bottle. So uh, clearly they were expecting it to have a lot of power behind it. I'm not as worried as I might be about a gusher. Yeah, I'm um, I'm less worried about infection as yeah. I otherwise would be. I mean, it might have just been over-conditioned in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Almost certainly bottle-conditioned. Yeah, it is bottle-conditioned, and they say highly carbonated. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. 
<laughs> You're lucky, John yeah. and Chris, you didn't ruin my telephone. I would have been sending you a bill for a new iPhone 6S plus <laughs> 75 gigabytes. My notepad is all beery. <laughs> oh, no. Ooh-wee. This notepad is all beery. Instead of a gusher, maybe we'll call it wubble of dub dub Alrighty, the beer pours uh, kind of a dark... Oh, what do we want to call it? It's definitely darker than tan. It's uh, kind of mahogany, I guess. Oh, good one. Cherry. Like Maybe it. cherry. Cherry. Cherry wood. It, wood. Varnish. Mm-hmm. Varnished wood. Yeah, not as dark as mahogany. I would say like a cherry. And big head on it still. So when I sniff it, I smell kind of just that zingy CO2. Mm-hmm. We need to let the head fall down so we can get kind of some of the more interesting It feels like it's at a decent temperature. We've had it out for about an hour or so. So it feels like it's at a good temperature. Okay, shooting the head. We're at 61, so let's call it 55. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting, oh, I'm getting almost 63, so it's nearly 58, 59 in that area. All right, so the aroma I'm starting they to smell. They suggest a temperature of 50, 55 degrees. Nice. So, yeah. That's pretty good. It, it, you don't see um, temperatures that warm too yeah. often, even though we recommend it for pretty much for, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so when I smell this thing, the first thing I'm getting is something kind of, kind of aromatic wood. Kind of, not like Palo Santo, really, but maybe just a kind of a touch of that. You know, that's maybe that's the sugar playing in with some of the melanoidins or something. I know where you're coming from. Um, I, I feel like I feel like it's more more a uh, more a question of incense than wood. Okay. Um, yeah, I could certainly go with something along those lines. I mean, it's not frankincense and myrrh but it's there's something that's coming off of that that's kind of herbal and it's just it, it it smells more like something that comes off of like an incense stick uh if you were to burn something like that then you get this quality and there's a mm-hmm. little wood mix in that because because it's stuck on the wood right so that's maybe where some of that woody quality okay. is coming from i just took a sip and it was all carbonation zing you know so mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna swirl here and try to Get some life out of this. It beer. is definitely highly carbonated, and I think you're right. I think this needs a little bit of uh, a little bit of excitation to release release the hounds, the carbon dioxide that is locked in there. So we're back up to a giant, huge head. It's smelling something that's kind of. After I swirled it, I'm getting something different, and it's kind of reminding me of something that's a little bit mushroomy, um, earthy. You know, maybe like um, smells like figs to me. Figs. I'm not getting that. I'm getting something that's kind of more cave-like, like limestone. <laughs> so you put, you don't want to drink from my glass. So I'm getting over something. So okay. I'm probably not contagious anymore, but I wouldn't share glasses this week. Um, I wanted to smell yours, though. Oh, well, here, go ahead. 
Give it a whiff. Yeah, smell mine. I mean, yeah, mine smells more cave-like, you know, a little limestone-y. Yours smells more like um, figgy pudding or something like that. Yeah, you're definitely right. There's definitely more brown sugar, some breadiness in yours. Um, (laughs) There's the Greg smell that I smell every time I smell your glass. (laughs) Yes, I can smell Greg when I smell his glass. What you know is that smell good. It does smell good. It does. But it really makes it hard for me to smell the beer when all I can smell is... You say you don't... You know, we talked about this before. Greg doesn't put on aftershave or anything before he comes here. Mm-hmm. It's just his shower soap or something. I can smell it on his glass when I smell his glass. Weird. You'd use Dove or something that's like just so... It could be the shampoo I'm using. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I just... I just it, it does smell different than what I normally smell. Did you change your soap at all recently? Uh... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's just um like as soon as I get Greg's glass, like probably like close to fifty percent of the smell is like, oh, there's the Greg smell, and wow. now I gotta get past it. And I know I don't blame you, right? No, I, I, I can't know, smell it. I you, can't smell you on things. Right. I mean it's You go weird. out of the way to to not yeah. stink when you come in. Stink in a stink in a good way. You don't come to you don't become you don't come here a perfumant. Yeah, right. I, I when when Jeff mentioned it, I, I stopped you know shaving and doing aftershave before mm-hmm. the show because I thought that was having an effect. Yeah, I think it's just your shower soap or something, man. I don't know. I don't smell it ex- unless I'm smelling your glass. Yeah, I mean, I don't smell it across the table or anything. So I leak onto objects, but not not <laughs> surround the atmosphere. I mean, there's been times where you've touched my glass and then I've smelled it on my glass. Wow. You have a sensitive nose to whatever I'm putting out. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, as I'm drinking this, it's getting a little less cave-like, a little more cake-like. Kind of like um, cinnamon roll or something like that. So I think that sugar that's in there, how do you say it? Um, I don't know how you say it. (laughs) Demerara. D-E-M-E-R-A-R-A. Okay. It's probably a raw sugar. It probably has molasses type stuff in Mm -hmm. it, so it's probably a bit brown sugary. I'm definitely getting some of that. I've heard of a... I've heard of Demerara or something. That doesn't seem quite right. It seems like part of the... A syllable is wrong from what I'm used to. Demerara does not sound like... I mean, that sounds like... There, there's a demo something <laughs> that I'm familiar with. Demarara? Demo. It's it's in Monk's Blood. Demarara? The 21st Amendment Monk's Blood uses this sugar that's Demo something. Why don't you look that up and see what sugar's in Monk's Blood? Beer's kind of subtle on, on the different flavors, you know, I mean, especially after these IPA ones. What are you pointing at me? You want sound? Oh, you're playing uh, your translation. It apparently is Dutch. Demerara. Okay. Hey, sounds like you're saying it. Mostly right. Yeah. Maybe that's a different D raw sugar than I'm used to. Okay. Uh, am I confusing it with like Morado sugar or something like Morado? Demerara Mahaika. Demerara. That's the English pronunciation. Demerara. There it is. 
I like this a lot. This is very, yeah. very nice and, and pleasing. Kind of exactly what I want out of a double. Okay. Um, well, I need to work on it some more and kind of get my palate calibrated before it's gone. I mean, it was very highly carbonated mm-hmm. and kind of. If anything, like if I'm saying like a world like a world known double, it kind of reminds me of a Chimay a little bit, where it's kind of yeah. I think I I, I would agree with you. Very highly carbonated, a little bit minerally. You know, that's kind of what I was tasting up front. And that's sweet. not what I love in doubles. No, it's sweet. It's a little light. It, it's uh, a little light in the mouthfeel, just a tad aqueous. Uh, it has qualities that go really well with food. I- <laughs> I could see it going yeah. in the food, sure. This is, uh, you, you have this with a pasta or some some fatty food, and this would go incredibly well. It just would, would mix with that all, and, and, and a burger with this would be fantastic. Burger, lamb, for sure, the mm-hmm. easy ones. Actually, I think salmon will go good with this. Yeah. I, I It's hard to think of something that won't go good with this. I mean, even a salad would probably go well with this. This is, uh, this is good stuff. This is good good food Looks like Twenty uh, First Amendment's Monk Blood page is kind of broken, or Google took me to some ancient, unlinked cavern <laughs> of their website. You found a dark website because I know they use some kind of. It's not Turbinado. I think maybe it's Morado or something like that. Uh, let's see. So now Jeff is going to go down yeah. the the wiki wormhole, and I'm <laughs> oh, so their website just says Belgian sugar mm. doesn't doesn't give me any of the details. I'm I'm plenty pleased with this. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm warming up to it as as now I got the carbonation to where I like it, and I'm calibrated away from those hoppy things. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it more for sure than I did the first couple of sips. It does seem a bit. Limestoney and kind of Chimay like, and that's not my favorite double. I, I agree. I, I think that Chimay is a good uh, a good way to uh, see this beer. I think this this compares mm-hmm. uh, very closely to Chimay. It's probably better than Chimay. I haven't had Chimay red in so long. I, yeah, I don't know. I I can't say whether it's better than Chimay or not because, like you said, same with me. I have not had Chimay in a long time. Um. Mostly because I don't remember it being particularly wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's just not amazing. All right. Final beer. Final beer. Boulevard's Imperial Stout 2015. Their Imperial Stout X, part of their Smokestack series, using Aztec chocolate. Another Cajun cork. How about that sound? No gushing this time. This was a Dave beer. and Dave brought this the last time he came in town. Because he is... Well, a, I can already smell the chocolate. He's stationed at Fort Leavenworth, which is... It's rare that I can from. smell beers from across the room. I don't know if Jeff's nose. Uh, but I could already smell it. Just from that pop and, and whatever volatized out of that. And the funny thing is, I'm right here and I didn't smell it. I mean, once I put my nose in the glass, I smelled it, but... <laughs> Alright, so this is 11% alcohol by volume. It's state in terms of sense in terms of sensory profile, they're not giving me any information. So aroma, malt, hops, balance, body, nothing. I got no info. Listen to that. Yeah, I hear it bubbling away. <laughs> Jeff is taking a selfie. I'm gonna send this to Jeremy Danner right now. 
No portion of Imperial Stout X Aztec Chocolate was barrel-aged. Let's go through this information here that they have in here. Uh, Aztecs held chocolate in such high regard. The drink was afforded religious and ceremonial significance, and cacao beans were used as a form of currency. Mm, accounts vary, but the drinking chocolate the Aztecs enjoyed probably combined a paste of cacao beans with spices, chili peppers, vanilla, and in some cases wine or another fermented spirit. Uh, they brewed this with freshly ground cinnamon, added during the boil uh, in the brew house. Uh, another batch of imperial stout was infused with dried pasilla negro and ancho <coughs> chilies and cacao nibs. Uh, pasilla negro, I'm not sure what that is. I have to look that up. Uh, chilies and cacao nibs were stuffed into porous bags and suspended in stainless steel tanks. Sanitized stainless steel tanks. Finished beer was transferred onto the chilies and nibs and allowed to rest for 24 hours of contact time. Following the infusion, the beer was transferred into a blending tank and combined with the cinnamon spice batch. This was brewed on tax day in 2015, and it's best... For... April 15th. Yeah, and it's best for two years. For those of you who are out of the country who don't know what tax day is, that'd be April 15th. <laughs> this was the second batch on tax day, actually. Pasiro Negro is a type of chili pepper. It's a dried form of uh, the chilat, chilaca. So the aroma on this one, it is really that Aztec chocolate, which smells kind of, I mean, cinnamon's a big component of that. So it's like kind of an unsweetened chocolate yeah. with cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had it a bunch in like hot cocoa and some artisanal chocolate bars and whatnot so it's right on with the aroma that you expect i don't know if i would have smelled this if i would have known but it's definitely a pepper beer i can smell the chilies there but i don't know if i would have picked that out had i not known that the chilies were there because there's a lot of sweetness and vanilla and we've talked about it before i'll mention it again uh, capsaicin is a type of vanillin, right? It's a, it's related to vanilla. It actually comes from it's it's a it's a form of vanilla. Um, so they have very similar sort of chemical uh, compounds, and they smell somewhat similar. The aroma is—it's dominating the imperial stout part of it. You know, I mean, the the cocoa, the cinnamon. I'm not sure if I can smell the peppers, but I mean, like, like if I'm trying to smell like the Boulevard Imperial Stout that I've had before, like I can't smell it. It's it's definitely being overwhelmed by by a lot of vanilla, a lot of what smells like oakiness. But they mm-hmm. they mentioned very particularly nothing was a barrel aged. Uh, so the oakiness is coming from the. The the vanilla that's used and and the mm-hmm. the vanilla like yeah uh, constituents flavor there's kind of a there's a spiciness but it's not hot pepper capsaicin it's more a prickly maybe um, black pepper type spiciness mm-hmm. or or just a combination of zingy carbonation and some phenols, but, you know, it's coming across more like a black pepper than a hot pepper. Yeah, you're not getting a, a great amount of uh, capsaicin burn, which is more of a lasting mm-hmm. uh, effect. But I, 
I think if you look for it, it's there, but it's it's really minor. It's a minor component here, and it fades relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're getting is a pretty uh, deep roast, so bearing on ashy, but not quite in that mm-hmm. level. Uh, a lot of sweetness, right? A, a, a lot of this kind of um, very, very deep caramelish sweetness that borders on toffee without quite getting there. Which is there to, I believe, counter a lot of the bitterness is probably coming from the cacao. Right, right, right. Um, so the cacao is giving it this, uh, the sharpness. And that That's a lot of what chocolate gives is this... Um, you don't really recognize it because a lot of chocolate uh, is flavored with vanilla. But chocolate is a very sharp kind of uh, acidic quality to it. And I think that's what's really coming through here is you're getting that bit of cacao um, that is giving you this uh, slightly sharp, slight... I mean, it's kind of a tang. It's not the tang you're used to. It's not a Mm -hmm. sour tang, but it's a tang in a different... different Wavelength, right? I get the kind of tang you're talking about. It's it's a combination of the booziness mm-hmm. and the cinnamon and some of the cocoa oils, right? Yeah. It's kind of coming across. This is really interesting, and it's really not like the imperial style I was expecting. Yeah. I'm starting to notice a little bit more of the burn, a little bit of the chilies are like, especially like sort of the. The gum, my gums mm-hmm. are sort of um, a little bit in flame. Okay. Um, yeah, I can feel it like yeah. on my lips a little yeah. bit. But I mean, it's such a minor heat for someone who's used to you know much more heat. Yeah, than it's it's not it's not going to overwhelm you with heat, but it's it's right. it's noticeable um, that there's some sort of a, a lasting sort of. I, th- I think it's if you want to like do a beer that is uh, indicative of Aztec chocolate, uh, you know, Peruvian type chocolate. I think this is very well done. Oh, I dig the hell out of it. I think this is uh, probably, I mean, they can't say for sure, but this is probably uh, a similar concoction to what, or in mm-hmm. terms of at least some of the flavors are probably similar. Uh, what they drank uh, when they, you know, where they had cacao was not mm-hmm. milk chocolate, right? right? It was it was not the stuff that we're used to. Mm-hmm. It was it was probably something more along these lines, where the chocolate that's coming through has this interesting, uh, different quality to it. But the but that's metered down by whatever else is put into mm-hmm. it. So, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. That takes us to the ranking time. All right. And we've had some pretty good beers tonight. Some pretty good beers. And I definitely got a hard luck loser here. I'm going to have to put the Trogues in last place. Wow. All right. It, uh, you know, because of the high carbonation, kind of mineraliness, that's not what I like in doubles. And then the rest of the beers I thought were really interesting uh, specimens of the beers. So I'll put uh, the Trogues in sixth place. Fifth place is going to be. This is really hard. Yeah. It's really hard after this point. I'm probably going to put the Hardy Wood in fifth place uh, because it was that dank and resiny um, session IPA. I, I enjoyed it. I like drinking it. I will drink the rest of that bottle. 
no problem. But it was up against some stout competition uh, tonight. Ah! Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. So that means fourth place is probably the Polliner Hefeweizen. Tasted really good tonight. I the thing that stood out for me more so than I was expecting was the great malt backbone that beer had. Yeah. It really impressed me. It was like I caught it refreshing and I had to re- back pedal and say refreshing to me tonight. I really liked that wheat and malt backbone that that beer had. Then in third place, this is where it gets really, really hard. I am going to put the the Boulevard Imperial Stout, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> Gray's like, are you serious? Um, I don't want to elevate the the uh, Schlaf, Schlafferhofer too much, but I really loved what they did with that beer. I'd, yeah, me too. But come on. Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm going to put the Schlafferhofer in third place. <laughs> What is it? Schaffer Huffer. in third place. I loved it. I loved how they did an American saturation type hopping with noble hops in a Hefeweizen. Someone else needs to make that beer, which I can get on a regular basis. Mm. That was good. Um, check it out. And then I'm going to put... I guess I'll put the rebirth in second place. Do what you want to do, man. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, now that I've I've looked at it, it's so hard. The top three are all winners in my book. They're all winning. They got. Uh, I was going to say some cool Charlie Charlie Sheen quote, but I can't think of one Tiger right now. Tiger blood. Tiger blood. Yes, they all got tiger blood. Uh, the rebirth in second place. Love the citrus brightness on that and i'm impressed that it kept it because we've had this beer since um june in the fridge and um that's definitely true and uh, that nailed it and then yeah the aztec chocolate aspect of the boulevard was like greg mentioned what's the name of the drink that the aztecs drank uh i can't pull I'm it right sure, now. i'm not sure what i can't pull it right now. oh uh X-O-Z-X-O-C-O-C-O-A-T-L. Yeah, Zocato. Yeah, Zocato. Never had real Zocato. I've had some beers that claim to be like Zocato, but the flavors you're tasting in this, you can kind of at least get adjacent. It transports you. Yes. And that's... If nothing else, a beer that does that, a beer that transports you somewhere is worth highlighting uh oh absolutely for me the top five beers are all well all the beers were good top five beers were very good there were no beers that were bad that's absolutely true uh in my case i did i i felt like the hardywood was just a pale ale with a different label um some people may disagree uh i i just feel like Calling your 4.9 pale ale, which has a little bit uh, excessive hoppiness, and calling that a, a, a sessionable IPA doesn't fit with what I feel a session IPA is. Uh, moreover, come on, it's time to, to bring out the interesting hops for your session IPA. Well, that's it. It kind of seemed a, a bit um, reminiscent yeah. of, of the original session IPAs. And there's better things you can do today. Yeah. 
Uh, number five, uh, the Trogues. I liked it. I didn't uh, dislike it, but I just felt like the other beers were showing me some more interesting stuff. And then I kind of pretty much agree with Jeff the whole way through. Apollinar, number four, uh, very traditional. Uh, slightly more of a banana y slash, yeah, banana ester y uh, Hefeweizen, but very nice and, and uh, good Hefeweizen. But then the Schaffhofer the, the was like, Wow. Okay. Here you're you're doing something different. You're you're playing with the hops more, mm-hmm. uh, not traditional in terms of what you'd expect, but uh, in terms of being sort of more playful. I I, I liked going with that. The Nola was fantastic. Um, really a great pale ale. One that I'd be happy to drink a lot. Uh, one that I would be happy to you know put on my mm-hmm. list of stuff that uh, I would right. get you know regular. Uh, but then this Imperial Stout, like I said, transports you somewhere. It it, it gives you. Uh, <laughs> Like it's it's a modern reformulation. It feels like of something that could have been a past drink. It 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 has that aspect where you're like, I feel the the mixture between the ancient and the modern, mm-hmm. as opposed to okay, this is just a modern, oh, a pure uh, modern interpretation, or just a pure ancient interpretation. Yeah, I think the transportive nature of that, where like you feel like, oh, this is a. Well, you don't know it. It feels like it, it's doing a really good job at at, at replicating some of those flavors. Uh, I doubt Zocado was twelve percent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows, right? Or eleven percent. It was used in religious uh, activities, and the religious activities were pretty insane, from what we understand, from from what we're used to. Let's put that that way. Temple of uh, Doom type shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you look at other religious activities going on at the time, there really wasn't that much of a difference. <laughs> uh, <Right>. <laughs> it's just the context we put it in. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what are you gonna do? So uh, you started with poison. Let's end with poison. Oh, you're killing me. I wanted you to go out with the the dishwasher scene. Ah, this song. Belle Biv DeVoe. Just because how. That girl is poison. Just because how I was, you know, had to live through this song. It, mm-hmm. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. It's funny. We we're talking about how we were listening to some art, you know, some uh, hip hop, right? And like, we didn't like it, you know. 20 years ago and we're like oh that's good today yeah. you know we, we get it now this isn't that no this this is not a good song uh it's got a it's got a hook it's got a good hook the the minor draw out on yeah right i mean it's it, it's got it's got an interesting hook that wasn't used at the time but no, this is not... All right. All right, if you say so. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, you can email us with the emails at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. We're not going to let you make this really quick. I'm going to oh. drag out. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever, man. You know, there's Facebook where our tweets cross-post to Facebook, but... If you comment there, we're probably not going to see it, at least not within a month. Um, and Google+. Plus, Who uses Google+, Plus? nobody that I know. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you're looking for shopping on Amazon, do uh, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Before you do your shopping, it helps us out. It doesn't cost you a penny more. 
and uh, twenty I, times they say poison, poison, oh. poison, 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 you already said that. Poison! I'm at CBR Greg. Yeah? Good for you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>